podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Les Bukka, and my guest today is Ken Knight from Kenfu TV. Um, Ken, how are you? Hey, I'm good, Les. How are you? Thanks for having me. This is awesome. Yeah, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. I love your channel, so I thought I'm going to speak to them in. And I like your um, approach to uh, practical karate. And as we talked before, uh, I like the changes you do. And we're going to talk about it, hopefully. And you're going to give us your secrets. Yes, all the secrets. There's no <laughs> secret recipes over here. <laughs> uh, so I start with the introduction. Um, what is your background and what led you to karate? Okay, so uh, maybe I'll reverse that. Um, led me to karate originally, uh, besides being a kid who loved the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and the Karate Kid and all of that kind of stuff, right? Um, was my my family got me involved, me and my little brother, in a karate school in Alabama, um, where I, I spent the summers in Alabama and then I would be in Wyoming the rest of the year. And so I went to this karate school and really loved it. It was everything that I had ever hoped from from being, um, you know, watching the movies and the shows and all that kind of stuff. Which is an interesting to, thing to say, because if you do martial arts, then you'd probably go, yeah, class is nothing like the movies. Uh, yeah. But maybe I was just insightful as a kid and just realized that that's what it would actually look like. And the effort you'd have to put in, and, and it wouldn't just be a cool montage with great music that would just jump you to something else. And... <laughs> So, but the the difficulty for me actually was it was a Japanese karate karate style. It was Yoshikai karate, and when I was moving back into the summer, I was coming back and I talked to my sensei and said, "Hey, you know, how do I keep this going? I've only been doing this for a couple of months." And he said, "Well, go find a Japanese karate school." He said, "You know, if you can't find this school, go find a Japanese karate school." Well, I couldn't. I came back, and there's some taekwondo and stuff, and and I I never really found it. And for whatever reason, I just didn't feel like trying something else yet. Mm-hmm. And so it was many, many years that went by um, until I was working the job that I work now. Um, and my boss mentioned a good a good client of ours that had been there for a long time. And he said, yeah, you know, he does karate and that stuff. He's even gone to Japan to train and stuff like that. And so one day I was working on his laptop. I've got parts of his laptop in my hands. And I'm like, so you do karate? And he started talking to me about it. And he said, you should come by, try it out. And I've been there ever since. Um, I actually, a few years ago, took over the school and now now run the school for him. He still trains with me. And, and so I still get to train under him and learn from him. Um, but now I run the school and teach the classes. In between there, uh, I did, we had a connection with a guy who did Filipino martial arts. Mm-hmm. Coincidentally, uh, I was working with his nephew. He's going, hey, you got You should meet my uncle. You'd like this stuff. He does this stuff with sticks. You'd love it. Well, come to find out that he had taught at my school a number of times, and everybody knew who he was, and I fell in love with the Filipino martial arts. Uh, I had a good friend who taught Aikido, became, you know, I think the interesting thing about martial arts is you have a tendency to, once you start meeting martial artists, you meet more martial artists. Yeah. And... So I met a good friend of mine now who does Aikido. He was a live-in student at the uh, Aikido in New York. Um, and 
so I trained with him for a while. That one, I didn't get to spend as much time as I'd like, and, and I still don't because our schedules just don't line up. We Naturally, we teach about the same time. Um, but so that's kind of the majority of it. I've done kind of different things here and there, but my primary my primary set is uh, Okinawan Karate and Kabuto, uh, Kali Eskrima, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, uh, some Tai Chi, and, and then a little bit of Aikido along the way. How do you find time to all do all this stuff and have a full-time job? Well, I mean, you're seeing right now that sleep must not be very important to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, and I get lucky, the most of those things for me, the karate, the kabuto, the jiu-jitsu, um, those are all, they were all taught to me by the same instructor. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, so it became really easy because it would just be stuff that we did. Uh, the Tai Chi came later, and I would literally just sneak off on my lunch to do that because it happened at a local senior center, and it would happen uh, around the same time as my lunch. So I shifted my lunch a little bit, and I'd just go do that and, instead of taking a lunch break. Uh, and, you know, you just you find ways to make it work, I think. Yeah, I, I didn't have a problem to find stuff for wor- for working out and uh, trying new things till the children arrive, and now I don't have time for anything. So soon they're gonna be a bit older, so uh, I can start doing my stuff again. Um, but I think yeah. you're, right, you're right; it's like a law of attraction. You you meet more martial artists, and that brings more martial artists, and then more martial artists, and they end up being just friends with the friends of martial artists. Yeah, absolutely. Well, what was funny for me is that you know I live in a fairly small town in Casper, Wyoming, and. People go, oh, there's not a lot of martial arts here because they go, well, there's that one taekwondo school and there's, you know, whatever. We actually have quite a few. Uh, you know, as doing that, I learned there's a bunch of schools, you know, just most of them, especially people like my instructor, they just didn't talk about it. You know, mm-hmm. he's a professional business owner in town. He's he's very successful. And he went, I don't need people to know that this is who I am and what I do. I don't need that to become a problem for me or anything like that. He's very humble. He didn't need people to know that he was, he was, I, I find him very, very good. And he just didn't need people to know that. So mm-hmm. him and some of the people that he's exposed me to, they just didn't talk about. It. Uh, and so a lot of times you kind of have to do some digging to find, find out just how many people are training around you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's a good quality to have to not be uh, like us. Showing off on uh, YouTube, <laughs> <laughs> right? That's been an interesting thing to kind of um, reconcile in in mm-hmm. my head, even you know, because the truth is, I don't I don't think I'm very good, you know. And I think a lot of us probably feel that way, mm. you know. When we think about if we measure ourselves against the progress we'd like to make, we always feel like there's a lot of of room to grow, and so it's hard to put yourself out there thinking, well, I don't want to be disingenuous. I don't want people to think that I feel more about myself than I do. Uh, You know, which is why the biggest, I had so many ideas with the YouTube channel and the biggest piece that's kind of stayed consistent that I've, well, it was consistent intentionally. uh, But is the Ken Learns Ken Fu thing where it's kind of like a journal in a way. Uh, It's my way of being able to just kind of record my thoughts on things, which is way easier for me than writing in a notebook. and be able to maybe save that stuff for, you know, part of my big driving force for me personally is being able to have recorded my thoughts and ideas so that at least my students and friends that I've trained with, 
you know, I'm, I'm no stranger to the idea of mortality. I may not always be here. And this way, there's, there's parts of me that, that they can always have. It's funny that we all, all people, whoever I talk to, doesn't matter how good they are, um, posting stuff online or, or, or selling stuff, they have a, some kind of feeling of being imposters. So, you know, I'm, I'm not doing, uh, I'm not uh, that good as I people get me. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which which is a cool trait, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Um, which that leads me to a question which I ask everybody. Um, okay. What, what impact karate had or has on your mental health? Oh, yeah. Sure. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, impact on karate to my, to my mental health for me is huge and probably the biggest driving force of why I continue to do it. Uh, you know, the, I, I was not any kind of jock or any kind of thing like that. I, I didn't, uh, I had a few good friends. I, I was good acquaintances with all kinds of people, but really didn't hang out with a lot of people. Uh, you know, certainly not somebody I consider popular and, you know, on that, and as a nerd, I love computers and stuff. That's my day job is computer stuff. And, and I love all this photography stuff and things like that. So I, I was interested in that sort of thing. And, and so equally goes with that is maybe not necessarily a lot of confidence. And that's probably one of the biggest things that has come for me out of it is really uh, this overwhelming idea that nothing can stop me, that I can achieve anything that I want to achieve. And in the face of adversity, I have this background confidence. I joke with people, a kind of half joke, because I, I believe it for myself, uh, which is, you know, I, I have to work with the public a lot. I, I've been moving the company that I'm in has continued to move, and we're a, a, a kind of a bigger, uh, bigger scale, not a lot of people in our team, but a bigger scale IT team that works with a lot of businesses and different industries mm -hmm. in our area. So I work with a lot of people and I work with a lot of very successful people and uh, but I've also worked with you know the regular homegoer that kind of thing and and anytime I've been stuck in a situation where someone's getting animated and heated and and uh, you know the situation might be kind of difficult in my head I, I it just kind of think to myself I'm like yeah I'm like but I could kill you though <laughs> and, and it's and I say it like a joke you know but in a way it's 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 kind of not. It's this idea that if if absolutely everything went bad, if you decided that you were, um, oh, what just happened to my? Can you see me? Okay, I think my yeah, camera just. I can hear you. Oh, yeah. good. As long as you can, the camera did a weird thing on the screen. So, um, but it, as as long as the worst thing that could ever happen is you could come across this counter at me, and the fact that I feel like that probably wouldn't be that bad, means I can talk to you and we can figure this out. And I've never had anything lead to that direction because instead we're talking to things and figured out. It gives me knowing that that's in my back pocket, gave me the confidence uh, to. Oh, I still hear maybe you. I'm back. Okay, yeah. good. You yeah. know, uh, gave me the confidence to maybe uh, be able to stay in it and just see what's what's going on with you. And karate has shown me because as people have come in and especially as I've continued to, to take over more of the teaching role, um, people open up to you mm -hmm. and you start to realize how many people are hurting. Um, and that was really eye opening for me. 
you know, realizing that no matter how many statistics I looked at, recognizing that the number of people I know that had been molested or raped or things like that, I just had no idea. Mm. It's around you all the time and people are dealing with it and they're struggling with it. And I just had no way of knowing that until I started meeting so many people and realizing that so many people are having trouble, having challenges, and that doing stuff, finding good people with a good activity that want to be around each other and aren't judging each other, you know, um, is helpful. It helps me. It helps other people, and I and I I, I know that because they tell me it does, uh, and that drives me to stay doing it. Yeah, yeah, it's. I, I think for for me, from uh, from my experience, that that what you said, the non-judgmental environment is the key to it. When people feel yeah. comfortable and they can talk about it, it makes everything easier. Yeah, where it is. Um, so, Kenfu TV. Why not Kendo TV? I can imagine <laughs> that you don't want to get associated with the candlesticks. Uh, hey. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny. I have a whole, I have a whole bushel of of shinai <laughs> and boken, um, but yeah, that was, like, you know, in in a way, that was part of it. Uh, I mean, it's it truly it it starts when I was a, a kid. You know, making a joke about you know, oh yeah, well I know he does kung fu, you know, but I do kenfu, <laughs> and you know, and that was just a, a joke that stuck with me. Um, but then, as it kind of became that I might give this thing a name and do something with it. There was a part of that, realizing, well, one, I don't want to be disingenuous. I don't want people to find Kendo TV and find out that they're not there to see Kendo. <laughs> you know, I believe Kendo is a beautiful art, and, and there are people very passionate about it. And I really didn't want people to be like, come on, this guy, like, this has nothing to do with Kendo. I've watched way too much of this to find out this has nothing to do with Kendo. Mm. <laughs> and, and actually, my Filipino martial arts instructor, um, somebody really, really important to me, uh, he actually calls me Kendo. He started doing that years ago, and uh, and I always liked that because it was kind of you know the way of right, which in a way I think matches more. And it certainly, especially when you look at karate do versus the karate jutsu, kind of that that idea that certainly matches my personality better, maybe. Uh, but Kenfu, you know, stuck with the the less disingenuous, less confusing. Um, certainly less uh, alternate search results. Maybe Ken Fu's easier yeah. to find if you're actually looking for it. And and then just, you know, something from my childhood. As we're talking about the Kung Fu TV, do a bit of advertisement for yourself. Tell us more about your uh, channel, what we can find, what interesting stuff. I know what interesting stuff is there, but people who are listening might not know, so go. Oh, sure. Okay. Self-advertising. Okay, self-advertising. I, I just told you I'm really bad at this. Uh, no, <laughs> but uh, Kenfu TV. You know, the main thing that I do. You know, I believe that when you look at this stuff, the biggest thing is to have some kind of consistency, um, and that helps me stick to it. And so I kind of broke it initially into three to four parts uh, because I never do anything halfway. I guess <laughs> and. <laughs> Ken Learns Kenfu was the main thing, which is basically me kind of reflecting as I continue to learn, which is probably the part that I needed this for the most, because in a way, this is something I needed for me to process and to to work through when I'm recording a video, talking about something that I'm learning or thinking about. 
it's giving me a way to process it and and internalize it to myself and think my way through it. Sometimes I'm making, um, you know, new ideas and things happen to me during the videos because I'm realizing something about it because I'm talking to you about it and just something pops in your head that you hadn't thought of yet. Mm-hmm. And so that's Ken Loans Ken Food. That's kind of the idea when something comes up and I'm thinking about it. Lately, I've been doing a lot of stuff on books. I have maybe... One that I might have to talk about here soon. Uh, uh, I was going to ask you <laughs> if it arrived yet or not. It did. Uh... It did. I meant to tell you that. Yes. No, it is here. <laughs> and I'm very excited. Uh, but yeah, so I've been, as I read books, one day I decided to pull a passage about a book and be like, I'm just going to talk about this. This is something that I need to think about and I want to talk about it. And that has been really popular. People like that and, that, and, and I like it too. But so that was Ken learns Ken Fu. Ken shares Ken Fu is, was my direction, my idea for... Uh, sharing technique and things like that, more of the in-dojo stuff. Um, COVID-19's kind of put mm-hmm. a pretty big pinch on that specifically because I like I had the ideas for how I wanted to do that. Um, and it's secondary to me. So many people are doing technique. And so many people are doing really good technique. Um, and so I'm actually working on a new idea of, of exposing other people's stuff because I think that that's really important. But that's the idea of Ken Shares, Ken Fu. I have this thing that I call Things Ken Likes. Um, which is, it was my kind of review idea. I, I'm into EDC and different kinds of stuff and figured I'd just have like a review thing where I could just talk about, I like this. I don't have to be the camera review guy or the knife review guy or the this review guy. I could just like, well, this is something I like and I'm going to tell you about it. Um, I've done a few of those. Surprisingly, they are they are the most popular by a, a order of magnitude and I've done like three of them. Um, and which is funny to me, you know, because I look and they're always remaining at the top of my list, no matter how many videos I do. Um, and then lastly was this Brewing Budo idea that has only kicked off a little bit, which was my podcast idea of uh, sitting down to the, and having a beer with, with the guys, you know, from the dojo and um, and maybe ringing up my instructor and, and just talking and, you know, just letting whatever comes of it comes of it kind of thing i i just believe maybe that we just need to talk more as people yeah and need to work through ideas and and we need to communicate with each other and so i think that's probably the theme you're gonna see in 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 the stuff that i do excellent it's funny because i was looking um, you know when i'm doing my videos i look what's the most interesting topics and it's always unboxing unboxing things and reviewing oh yeah I'll just end it, you know. And I, and I actually, I, I really love, I love watching unboxing videos too. Uh, I, I, the weird nerd part of me that just loves cataloging, what is, what is that? What's this like? Does this have this thing? Does it have that thing? Um, I've got this weird proclivity towards knowing things. I got like the hardware store, for example, or something like that. I go to the store and, and I like to just walk through and look and just kind of catalog what's available. And then that way when something I'm like, ah, you know what I need? I need to do that. I have this thing, and and maybe that comes from the IT stuff, where my job is literally puzzles and problem solving. So I the more you kind of collect ideas, I think it's the engineering thing. You're an engineer, and you. Yeah, yeah, kind of network. He's exactly the same. She's an engineer, and he's exactly the same. Yeah. <laughs> oh, awesome. Gadgets, well, at least gadgets. I'm not crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you're saying about the talking about uh, talking with people. That's what I, I found is very interesting because uh, I done the first interview with um, Andy Allen. Uh, mm-hmm. I made a mistake and uh, the picture didn't come up good at all. So uh, people advised me do a podcast. So I thought, well, I don't really want a podcast. What, what are I going to be talking about? 
people don't like my voice. I don't like my voice. But it's the most popular thing I have. It's, it's just growing so quickly. Uh, I do a little bit of a podcasting and whenever I can. And people actually like it. So I think you're right that uh, people just want to listen to other people talking and get the comfort from that. Yeah, I love it. I love that you're doing it because I really, I've really enjoyed the the podcast. I know I, I think you're calling it like the accidental podcast or something. And I like, I like that idea. Like I didn't mean to do this, but here I am, and it's great. And you're bringing together people and having great conversations, and I think it's awesome. Yeah, thank you. Uh, hopefully, I'm not gonna run out of uh, time and ideas, but uh, we'll see. We'll see what the future holds. <laughs> That's right. Uh, my next question is about you. You joined the. Uh, Practical Karate Movement, you are in the World um, Combat Association, uh, which yeah. I'm part of the group as well, but on the UK uh, end. Uh, so my question is, um, why did you switch to the Practical Karate? What made you to say, hey, I want to do it practically? Sure. Um, that's a great question. And one that's been on my mind a lot. Uh, you know, because I think some of these things kind of happen organically and and you got to kind of reflect to realize that they've been happening as long as they have. Uh, but really, so I have a really great instructor, somebody I really admire and appreciate. And, and he taught me, I mean, I, I am who I am and I, I know what I know and I do what I do because of him. And, you know, and that was always his, his focus, right? He, we never competed. We never had any competition, anything like that. You know, it was never based that direction. Um, it was always how do we how do we make sure this stuff works, uh, which I never had a problem with, and I always kind of kind of went with. There were little things here and there that would kind of stand out, like ah, I don't know why we do that, or that seems kind of weird, or um, you know. And then I think, as for so many people who've come into the practical karate route, um, Ian Abernathy, you know, you run into Ian Abernathy at some point, looking at some video, and then you know, and I, because of who I am as a person, I binged his entire podcast. Um, and because I drive around a lot for work, so I kicked it on, and and I just couldn't get enough of it. And he was talking. You know, the thing that the thing that stuck out to me the most was this idea of kind of hacking away that unessential, right? You know, the parts like why do we still do three step sparring? Why do we still? And that made me realize, yeah, why I don't hate what we do, and I think I I, I think that the value that I have for what I what I believe I can do is based in the fact that we do it. But could we be more efficient? Is there some of the stuff that there's better ways to do it now? You know, and and even he had kind of said that at one point. Ago, it's not that it didn't work. Maybe it didn't work. But some of this, not that it didn't work. But we just we have better ways to do it now. And why not do it that way? And that led me to finding people like yourself and other people that that as I continue to talk and listen, I continue to see a lot of people seeing the same thing that are like, yeah, how do we make sure that not is our art practical, which I, you know, I think we all hoped that it would be when we went to it. We, we believed somewhere that it was. But how are we spending our time? And that became um, very specifically important to me when I started working with a guy named Sean Stark, who... Uh, he runs the Gorilla Global. It's a guerrilla self-protection uh, movement that he's doing. I like the whole guerrilla imagery because it's the idea of like just getting people to rise up and, and realize that, that they can take control of their self-protection. Um, but it was kind of an accident. I was on Instagram, as, as many things began for me, talking to different people. And, 
His handle at the time was Salat Junkie, and I was always a huge fan of the Indonesian artist Salat, and I thought that was really cool, but I had no one near me that I would ever learn that from. And at one point on one of his posts, he's, you know, showing, doing stuff, and he's, and it said, train with me, you know, DM for training. And I went, fine, I'll just hit him up and talk to him about it. And we started talking, and but what that led to was something entirely different. Not, not, um... Uh, not disingenuously, like he didn't do that to me to to bait and switch or anything like that. Like I, we still spend a good time on that. But his focus recently in his life had shifted to self protection and this in this gorilla at the time it was called gorilla salat model because he was doing things in like third world countries and stuff like that. And we had really great conversations. His the, the original focus was specifically self protection to to prevent human trafficking, which. I now, just like the other stuff, realize is way more real than than I ever wanted to think it was. Um, and, you know, he would talk about it. He's like, yeah, I'm in a different country and I'm there for 10 days with people that only partially care. How do you get somebody a, a skill that might save their life or keep them out of that human trafficking kind of environment in 10 days? And so his, you know, he we were talking about the... You know, he brought up the 20%, you know, 20% of your techniques solve 80% of your problems. Yeah. And that kind of really kind of brought things into a laser focus. So I obviously had already kind of been feeling that way. And then we're having these conversations where I'm going, man, I was thinking, you know, how do I do this from a martial art perspective? And then he's going, yeah, if you take all that out, how do you do it in, in a week's time? Or if you only get a weekend with somebody, how do you provide... And the truth is, is martial arts, and I love the martial arts. I love the ceremony of it and the whole everything, all of it. I love all of it. But it, it really, it implies this is a lifelong journey, which I believe it should be. But ideally, you don't want to be a lifetime into it before you can finally do something with it, yeah. if you need it to, you know. So it led me to thinking between that and, and the stuff that I was hearing from Ian Abernathy and and all the people like yourself that I started hearing about, and I, you know, it's just this constant idea of, yeah, how do I make sure that we're targeting this directly and and kind of not wasting time, so to speak, making sure that our training is practical and functional, uh, not to use the word, but it's the word, right? Um, and and just make sure that that was my focus. I still don't have any interest in competition. I still don't have any interest in some of that kind of stuff because I want to make sure that all of my time is spent the direction that I think is important. And we can still have fun, right? It doesn't have to be serious and, and dreadful and, and and make us not sleep at night. Um but I can just I can make tweaks to what we do to make sure that the the skills and the exercises and the training are just leading that way faster. I think. Sure, um, I'm kind of on the I'm an odd one in all that group because uh, I'm not uh, focused on the self defense. I don't do it. Yeah. Uh, sure. I don't do any, uh, um, for me, it's more um, about enjoying it. But somehow, yeah. the way I've been taught, it's kind of resulting with people being able to deal deal with it, but. At the moment, I'm just a bit like you, real, realizing, realizing how much I don't know. So I was trying to educate myself more about the law. And today I was doing the yeah. with um, Jamie Club um, about the de-escalation and, you know, all about the soft skills. Oh, that looked really good. I wish I would have got on there. 
I think they recorded it, so it's gonna be probably available. Oh, amazing! Because that that's been a big one. I literally was was in a notebook the other day, thinking about curriculum and stuff, and I and I just have a section called things I don't know how to teach. Mm. Uh, you know, and that's one there de-escalation. You know, I I have practice in doing it uh, through just different parts of my life. You know, I could certainly be better. But where I really struggle is going, how do I pass that to somebody else besides just be like, well, the way I did it is I just did it. So here you go. <laughs> and, I think and, I, and one thing which I took it from today, it's actually you uh, know more than you think. It's just the lack. When you hear that from authority, you just go, yeah, that made sense. But I did knew that before. I just didn't realize it. So, uh, yeah, uh, it, that it, makes it's a really good one. I, I highly recommend uh, the podcast and um, all the stuff from Jamie Club. It's really, really good. Mm. Um, yeah, you you saying about changing stuff, having fun, and uh, that's my next question. What changes have you done to your syllabus, and what are the results? I start because I changed the I changed my syllabus completely two years ago, and my students love it. The new ways uh, of mainly training with a partner, uh, a bit of a more uh, different methodology from different uh, sources. Uh, how do you approach that? You know, I approach it through failure because <laughs> not everything I've tried has worked very well, um, and and it has. I mean, I I, I don't want to want to misspeak. People really enjoy it. They really enjoy training. Uh, I've got a great group of people that that are letting me experiment and try different things, and are are not going to go anywhere because they've enjoyed what they're doing. They enjoy the people they're around. Um, and so that's been really good because I've had to backtrack a few times where I've headed one way. You know, when I took over, one of the things I kind of originally did is I really stopped focusing on curriculum, so to speak. Mm-hmm. You know, my my instructor, he always, everybody's promotions and testing was different. Like nobody ever had the same test. Um, you know, everybody needed different things to grow personally. And so it was based on that. It was, you know, while there would be maybe a basic set of criteria from our original organization, uh, that didn't necessarily mean that had anything to do with your test. And I always appreciated that, and that made a lot of sense. So as I kind of took over, I kind of went, well, I don't even know if I'm going to even worry too much about that. Like, I'm just going to continue to focus on building people, working on maximizing the things that they, the, their strengths, and working on on lifting the areas that they could be stronger in. Um, and realizing that we're all different people, we're all different sizes. We got, you know, I've had people with all kinds of different situations all the way to people that have no legs, things like that, that, um, you know, that really challenges how do you teach different situations and how do you put that in a box? Um, but you know, you learn. And what I did learn is that, okay, that while that worked, it certainly expanded things to, to being even longer you know, I just talked about how that whole um, lifetime, it shouldn't take you a lifetime to do this stuff. Well, okay, well now, how, everything was spreading out. And at the same time, I had also gotten rid of colored belts. So we went back to having just white belts, unless you had a black belt. Um, and Which was amazing, because there's always that kind of internal bickering where somebody gets promoted and then somebody else doesn't think that they were, you know, they think that they're at least as good as that person and, but they're not promoted yet. Um, and there's always looking down at each other's belts to figure out where they fit in the pecking order and got rid of the belts. It actually went over 
surprisingly well. Uh, no issues. Witten got got with Kataro, who does really high quality belts, and said, "Well, this is gonna be the last one you're gonna have for a while, so let's get you a good one." <laughs> uh, and you know, and at first it was kind of hard. And I offered to people who had been a while there a while that had maybe multiple belts to. You know, I'm glad to order you a colored belt as you get promoted so that you can complete that set for yourself. Um, so I didn't want to just throw them out on that. But, you know, but they, it was almost overnight, people just focused on helping each other. And they just focused on working together and becoming better. And they just forgot to compete with each other, um, which was amazing. I want that. I want people to want to help each other because when you help the person next to you, you help yourself. And then that person helps you too. And, so that was awesome. And so between having white belts, which made it suddenly really hard, I realized just how important colored belts are for an instructor. You know, they might be good motivators. And I kind of went, yeah, that's the wrong motivation. And I'm okay with, with filtering out people who that is their motivation and, or whatever. What I really found is, man, when I don't have those, it's, it gets kind of hard to remember to test people. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, we did, I mean, we did do a Nufurakake, because uh, when I trained in Aikido, I really liked the idea that your rank was on the wall, and then when you were on the mat, it wasn't relevant, but if, you know, but there it was. Um, and so we did stuff like that, And but what I really started to realize is that it, I was moving all these different directions because I was exploring and learning myself. I'm going through this metamorphosis of my own self, which happens multiple times, I think, for anybody who trains for a long time. And because of that, I was realizing that I was probably in my, my heart, I didn't feel like I was doing a good job for people. Um, nobody was upset. Everybody's been happy. I've never had anybody leave or, or get frustrated. And they just focus on developing their skill. And I think that's incredible. And I think that's very genuine and very good. Um, but it doesn't mean I don't want to reward them, and I don't, it doesn't mean I don't want them to eventually get a black belt and that kind of thing, because I, I do think that, that at some point that's important to them. And so I've been starting to try to structure how I go about working on the skills that I think are critical, the ways that we need to train them, and, and how we bring it back into focus with all the stuff that I've learned. Um, and my goal, and that when I noticed that it was a thing you could do, part of the motivation was, was joining the World Combat Association, as you know, you can have recognized ranker you could have a, a recognized approved syllabus and i went you know i want to try to do that i want to try to build a syllabus and work with people to have a syllabus that that matches this practical methodology um it's been really fun watching like andy allen like you mentioned him um you know he's got some videos where he's you know he has made his syllabus and he's kind of shared some of that watching that process has been really cool and really really helpful for me um and I've been spending a lot of time thinking about the fact that I, I do think it's important. You can't just get rid of it. You know, maybe if it's just you and a couple people, um, that's one thing. But but if you're going to run a school with a lot of people, there has to be some structure. If nothing else, just to make sure you remember to teach everything. Sometimes you look at somebody and go, oh, I didn't realize I haven't taught you that yet. Mm. It, hasn't, it hasn't come up recently, and I didn't realize that I should probably teach you that. Um, so I want to, if nothing else, make sure that I'm not leaving things out and, and maybe do that by creating, a, coming back to having a curriculum, um, coming full circle. A lot of people th that would laugh at getting rid of curriculum are probably going, yeah, there you go. You finally figured it out. You have to have one. <laughs> yeah, well, I've, I've done about five different ways of doing it, 
you know, learning, dropping it off. Uh, and my current version is, um, it's the curriculum is for me, like you said. Yeah, it, it's a guide for me what I want to teach people when. Yeah. Um, people basically don't care if they've got a good training and they learn. It's fine, and uh, and they, I think my yeah. it's my my guys uh, appreciate that I'm trying to uh, provide the best service I can. Uh, and keep trying new things. It makes not boring, and they've got something to laugh at me later. So, <laughs> right. Um, and I, as well, I, I dropped the the kind of examination grading stuff. So I just doing like a BJJ guys. So we're looking for the year, um, what the progression is, and I decide, like uh, usually with somebody else from outside, so I can um, uh, check if I'm not biased uh, and say, yeah, you you work hard through the year that you built. But we kept the uh, color belt. I tried once without oh, sure. that at all, but uh, people haven't been motivated. Um, I've been uh, a lot, lot, lot of uh, different uh, avenues which led nowhere, so I come back and always come back to the karate. Um, yeah. yeah, you've got to be willing to fail, right? You've got to, you've, you've got to be able to allow yourself to try those things, though. You said you've got people from different walks of lives and different abilities. I've, I've teach as well people who are... Um, uh, less able or have uh, um, uh, mental problems or, or something like that. I don't like that word, mental problems. Yeah. Um, it sounds wrong and, and it's wrong, but you know, I, my lack yep. of English sometimes it catches up with me. Um, so I would say that uh, um, they're not unwell yeah. at the moment. Oh, that's the better way sure. to say it. Um, yes, how, challenges. How do you, how do you adjust um, your classes um, to suit people with different abilities? Um. It's a difficult thing to answer, maybe, because uh, really it all depends. And I think that's a pet answer. And Noah Lego would be really happy that I just said that. Uh, but uh, but it depends, you know, different things have different needs. And um, and there's just no way to even put that into a box. If somebody's got, you know, somebody who's who's been raped for example and is working through the mental difficulties of of recovery um how you deal with the things that they're that are going to be challenges for them is not the same that you would deal with somebody who is missing a limb that they're just not the same and so it's been very very unique and that's all i can do is i just am really open with them especially if the situation is more of a challenge like having somebody who who was a double amputee, that was a very big challenge. And and all I could do is be honest and say, you know, we're going to work with this together. I'm going to need you to talk to me because while I can, can think of how this might need to work, you know, you're going to have to teach me about what it's like so that, so that we can make these adjustments together. And I think we'll get you there. Uh, but we're going to need to communicate. And it's it's worked really great. I think being open with people and recognizing and not being afraid to not have all the answers goes a really long way towards being able to have a, a collaboration and a partnership with that person and, and get them where they should, where they want to go. I do love your answer because that's what I'm finding as well. Uh, I was recently working for a few, few instructors who asked asking me how to work with people with... Um, uh, mental health or um, th uh, physical um, disabilities or and other problems. Yeah. And the way the, the biggest uh, barrier they all have or we have is the fear of asking. If you don't ask the person, how can I help you? How we can make it better together? You know, I'm, right. I'm not you. I'm not in your body. I don't know what you're going through. If you don't give me a 
some indication how I can help you. There's no way I'm going to guess. And I probably do more harm than good. Um, right. I love your uh, answer. It hits uh, it's the head on the nail, isn't it? Nail on the head. Head on the nail. Nail on the head. head we can hit the head on the nail too. <laughs> <laughs> but it, uh, it nails it. Nails it. Um, nails it yeah <laughs> that's the one my, my, uh, i love that you know because it's the same I, I feel the same way um i'm not in your body i just i'll never have any way to know and i and i could all i can ever do is recognize that i'll never know i could i can think as hard as i want that i have a really good idea and i just don't have a clue yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly exactly i'm actually going to be uh, talking about on our um karate, karate for mental health seminar that's my section of um, adapting karate for oh uh, nice so we'll, we'll see how that's gonna go it's uh, my first uh, kind of uh, speaking uh, like that about it but hey ho have to try uh, <laughs> yeah absolutely i think that's really great i think that's gonna go great too yeah i think probably the biggest thing for me was just realizing there are i have two two philosophies that are very similar you know i never want money to be a reason somebody can't train um, and I never want, if somebody's willing to put in the time, I am too. Uh, you know, if only one person shows up, but they showed up, let's do it. You know, and I think if somebody is willing to put in the time, which is the only thing we can truly pay with, really, um, and, and, and wants to do it, then I want to help. And because I live by that philosophy, I really have no choice. If somebody comes in, I refuse to turn them away. Um, so the only thing I have, you know, is I have I have to do it. I have to figure out ways to work with people. And I think sometimes maybe if you start there and just realize that you want to help, period, um, it will it will get you making the right decisions and and working through it. Yeah, it, 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 I exactly um, uh, agree with you totally. Because uh, for me, I had a few a few times that uh, I was on the brink of closing the dojo, but I was always one guy turning up. We have a joke now at the, at the club that uh, I keep trying to get rid of Gary, but he keeps coming back. One day I'm going to manage to get rid of him, but he keeps coming back. Then <laughs> 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 uh. always, no, I want to learn. And he really, really puts up. And, and he now is looking, looking for a um, Kali instructor and the sticks. I have no, oh. no, no interest in the weapons and stuff, but uh, he actually booked himself um, to go to Philippines for training. But they oh, amazing. Oh, yeah. But yeah, you said to me, oh, are you going to be disrespected if I'm going to go and do that? I said, no, just go and find the dojo and I can help you. I, Ian actually helped me to find the dojos for him. Oh, that's great. So, um, yeah. The, oh. I, I can definitely say with, with COVID, we've done all of our, we've done a lot of Zoom training and online training and stuff like that. Um, easily, jujitsu is the hardest. Yeah. And Eskrima has been 100% the easiest. Um, so the marshal, the, the collie, the sticks absolutely has been the easiest to teach long distance. Um, so hopefully that means he's got a lot of good opportunities still available to him. I love it. Uh, truly, I struggle sometimes with if I actually would stay karate. If I had to choose, would I choose karate? And, um, I don't know. I don't know. So far I haven't had to choose and I'm really happy about that. Um, and I'm fortunate in the Kali Eskrima that I do was was developed by a guy who at one point had another system called Kajikumi. And Kajikumi, Kaji stood for Karate, Aikido, Jiu-Jitsu, and Eskrima. Yeah. Um, and so his background was very karate-based himself. Um, so that's easy for me because it kind of ties them in together. So, But I love it. I think it's really, really good. 
and the empty hand parts of it. We we literally had a talk. So I taught yesterday, Saturday, and we were looking at the empty hand application because uh, Escrima is a complete system. It's not just the sticks. It's lots of things. Um, and it was funny because we were looking at a certain type of parrying, and most of my students in that class are also karate students. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, well, I need you to realize that the only thing weird about this is that we have an opposite foot forward. We're doing it kind of gyaku, but really all we're doing is agayuke and geronuke. And that was all it was. I mean, and they looked at it, and it was exactly, we're doing agayuke and geronuke with with a, the opposite foot forward. Um, and, you know, it's it's the same stuff. We're, we our joints and bodies only move certain ways, so it's just a different focus. In some ways, I think the methodology of teaching Eskrima is uh, infinitely more direct, and I and I really really like that about it. So you, you I'm, I'm presuming you're nicking stuff from methodology uh, from Eskrima. I've got exactly the same with wrestling. If I start wrestling before karate, I probably would never go to to karate. Can oh I, sure. Uh, yeah, but I uh, I prefer the methodology of teaching from wrestling. So most of my teaching is based on that. So I suppose for you is now Kali creeps in, Eskrima creeps in and uh, taking over the methodology. It definitely creeps in a little bit. Oh, but that makes me think that when you asked about curriculum and changes that I've made, I meant to mention probably the most, the largest change that I actually made and am happy with. Um is we went from a long distance, what I would call more of a competitive style, sambung kumute kind of thing, to grappling. I think, and I think it seems like most of the practical karate people, that's the, if I would have to say, at least it was for me, that was the big change, is realizing this stuff happens a lot closer. Yeah. Just like fights happen a lot closer, altercations happen a lot closer. And just moving people two feet closer to each other and, and locking hands and stuff like that changes everything the perspective yeah. completely changes and it puts so much into context i don't think that you can tie up with somebody um and not realize how much more applicable your karate is yeah one big com one big struggle that i always had was when we trained you know you do a sparring and, and it's it's hard to spar i always actually fight sparring idea just because of the idea that i, I feel like it doesn't train the right things and when we move to grappling and kind of the you know ian calls it the katabe sparring and stuff like that but even just moving to the grappling range suddenly you realize all those techniques because when you're when you're dancing around with each other more of a competitive style and then you kind of shoot in do a couple things and shoot back out you never ever hardly ever actually get to apply all the techniques you were taught i've been taught all these techniques and then i never get to do any of them when i spar but then suddenly you lock hands with somebody and you're a little bit closer and you're, you're dealing with their limbs and stuff and all of those techniques are there, all of them. Mm -hmm. And it, I'll never go back because it, it brought them together. They're no longer separate. And when those two things were separate, they just didn't make sense. Mm -hmm. um, so that's probably the biggest change that, that we've made is a huge grappling focus. Which your wrestling background probably helps a lot yeah, on that. Yeah, I fell I fell in love um, second time with karate via, via wrestling. Uh, yeah, I just uh, I I've got a fantastic coach uh, with a wealth of experience. He's nearly seventy now. Um, he got a few students who went on Olympics, but his ability to uh, look at movements and translate them to anything wrestling and explain to you 
that no, that's what you're actually doing. So Uchiuki is an arm drag, you know. He said, oh, why don't you grab and pull? And then he comes, yeah, it's arm drag. And then you follow with the Satoki for us, and then you've got the pull and the throw. But, yeah. yeah. It's not the block. block. Wait! Yeah. This has <laughs> been here the whole time? <laughs> <laughs> it just makes you feel, you know, I've been then, uh, I was black belt, I was brown belt or something like that. And you're thinking, I feel like a child here. I don't know yeah. nothing. <laughs> you know? Right. But it's, it's good for the development. So um, It is. Yeah. It's the coolest learning stage, right? The, the uh, uh, conscious incompetence. You suddenly yeah. realize you don't know anything. <laughs> uh, it, it keeps happening. It keeps happening. But I'm happy that it's happening. You know, you learn. You Me learn too. from people all the time. Um, what would you um, recommend people to do if there is some instructor thinking now, sitting at home? I would like to do practical karate. Um, what step mm. would you suggest? Because I, I liked your video. I, you know, you explained that in uh, in your video about the British Combat Association. But if you could tell guide us through your steps um getting in there getting being practical sure i think truly i think the most important thing is already done which is that you've already realized that you want to do it you know because and it doesn't matter what that thing is i think that's the biggest step in anything whether you're right or wrong you have your reasons for wanting to do something a certain way and recognizing that that's a direction you want to go is the biggest and most important step everything after that is easier if I have a recommendation, the biggest recommendation I have is surround yourself with people that are trying to go the direction you're trying to go. Um, uh, back to communication and talking to people. Put people around you who are, are doing it, are further down the path than you, you know, the whole sensei idea anyway. Um, but, you know, people who are already doing it, people who are trying to do it, and then maybe even put yourself in a place of helping somebody who's who's also trying to do it so that everybody's moving forward. Um, and that will expose you to, I think, everything you need. There might be good steps and there might be people who would be better at putting it in a chronological order, do this, than this, than this. But I think the biggest thing for me has just been surrounding myself by people with people that are trying to make it happen. And we all learn together. Great advice, great advice. Um, what is the future plans for Kenfu TV? What your your current and future uh, projects? What are we going to see? Sure. Um, you know, I mean, the Ken Lawrence Kenfu is going to just keep on trucking. It, it's amazing to me. I always figure I'll run out of things to say or things to think about, but, but since it's reflections of things going on, um, I don't think I ever will. Um, mm -hmm. And But I hope to share a lot more just because of the fact that I'm working through all this stuff, uh, I want to share a lot more technique, even though I talked about how that part's not as important to me. It's not from that perspective. I think there's a lot of good technique, but I want to share more just so that there's a, a, a frame of reference for myself. Something that I did a long time ago, I had some students move away um, and they wanted to keep training. And so I just started recording all the classes. And, and when I opened... I, I've trained long enough to have opened an Eskrima school. I teach Eskrima in my own school. Um, and when I did that, I started recording classes day one. And I, for years, I recorded every class. That way I could give that to my students. And, you know, here's, here's everything. You know, I can see we can go back and it's fun to go back and look at the progress that they've made. 
and actually see that. I think being able to show somebody, you know, when you're feeling really down about your progress, if you actually look at yourself five years ago and, and if there's a recording of it that you can go look at, um, you'll realize just how far you've come. And that helps with that perspective to help keep yourself motivated to realize that any change, positive change that you're making is glacially slow compared to what other people are recognizing in you. And sometimes video is a really good way to help that. But then also to be able to go, hey, here's where we were. Here's how we did things. Here's all that. And so I want to share some of that stuff just so that um, my students have references and things like that to continue. And if other people like it, if other people, if it helps, you know, bring awareness to the idea that that karate is more than, you know, the thing that we hear all the time is you're like somebody like, oh, I do karate. And they're like, isn't that for kids? Uh, you know just even if it just brings awareness to the fact that karate is absolutely applicable it's absolutely effective and perfectly practical and that law enforcement and different things like that can totally use this kind of training they don't have to go find you know they have these kind of things available um just bringing exposure to it is kind of the idea i don't know what it completely looks like you know, I guess if people have ideas, they can tell me what they think they would be good. Um, the truth is, I'm going to go my path regardless. I refuse to, you know, there's so many things to be successful on YouTube or things like that. You've got to do all of this stuff and you've got to follow all these trends and do all these things. And and I, I can tell you that you can't expect to see me do that because I just don't care. I want to do what I want to do. I want to follow and, and explore my journey and just share it with people. Yeah, same same for me. I'm always up the stream. People tell me, you know, send me so many emails. No, I can't be bothered. You know, <laughs> I don't like spam in my, my box. Why would I send it to somebody else? Right, right, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, just, um, yeah, great, great, great stuff. You know, I always cringe when I'm looking at my videos from like five, six years ago and I say, what have I been thinking? <laughs> yes yes it is different i i cringe every time i look at a camera and see my face staring back at me and hear my voice recording bouncing back to me you know but for some reason people keep looking at it so i guess it it's not breaking as many screens as i thought it was so. yeah <laughs> um can i can you tell us uh, where can we find you so your instagrams and everything oh um, sure so i've tried really hard thankfully because kenfu tv is not um you know, previously I had a thing called the Land Legend, which I still have, but it nobody ever had that name. So any any time you see that, it's me. And same thing, Kenfu TV. Nobody has that. Um, so if you see Kenfu TV, it's me. If you're looking for me on Instagram or YouTube or Facebook or any of that, Kenfu TV is going to get you there. But if you want an easy way, uh, my website is Kenfu TV, and all of those things kind of funnel into that one place. Excellent, Ken. It was a pleasure to talk to you. This is really, really good. Great, great chat. This was awesome. Thank you so much for having me on here, and I look forward to more talks on and off, uh, off screen or whatever. Mm -hmm.